welcome back to Star Pile <laughs> Oh god, this is off to a great start already. Uh, I am uh, I'm Travis. I'm here with Kyle Morris laughing in the background. Uh, we got a very a very special day, Kyle. Kyle, if we if we like arguing about the draft most of all, I think arguing about quarterbacks is probably number two, right? Yeah, I mean, well, when we when we're arguing about the draft, we are mostly arguing about quarterbacks, so they're all. That's a good it's all, point. It's all connected. It it is our it is it's all just an extension of our favorite thing. So we did. We did the Justin Fields episode last week. Seems like a lot of you have tuned into that so far, which is awesome. Um, but now that we have, we have discussed Justin Fields within his... Con- we, we have discussed Justin Fields within what we consider to be the context of, you know, his supporting cast and, and, and his numbers. And now we are discussing Justin Fields... Uh, Within the context, not really just specifically about Justin, but we're going to place him within the context of where we think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, all the quarterback, the presumptive starting quarterbacks in the NFL are this year. So we're, we're going to, we're just, we're just going to rank them. We're going to rank these quarterbacks. We're going to see how far we can get in our hour tonight. See if it's enough. If not, we'll carry it on into next week. So that's right. Now, I think we should say up front, this is not a prediction per se of no. what these quarterbacks will do this season. This is like based on what they did last year, based on their career to this point, and kind of where we we see them at this point exactly. This is not me saying, you know, whatever. Coming into this year, this quarterback will definitely be the whatever twenty second best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's so like when the Athletic they did a similar exercise with quarterbacks a while back, and they they were like quarterback situation over the next three years, which required a lot of projecting and a lot of future draft. We're just going to rank the, the, the 32 guys who are, who we expect at this juncture to be the starting quarterback for their, for their teams. Um, and where we think they are entering this season. Some of these guys we think will probably fall from here. Some of these guys we think will rise just how we feel about them at this exact moment in time. That's right. I'm, so, I'm looking at this going into this season, and that's it. I'm not even looking two years down the road. I'm like, what are you okay. getting this year out of these guys? So, I'm we're we're gonna start from the bottom and then go up, and eventually we'll be here. That's okay. a ten year old joke at this point, right? That's how old we are. Yeah. So, um, are, are we doing straight the straight ranking, or do we want to discuss the tiers? Because we we did we did tier guys. There there we are did. tiers. Okay, we did we so we broke these guys into tiers. I know that your tiers and your list do not necessarily line up. Mine kind of fell to where they go straight in order, and I know how yours many, kind of move around. How many how many how many tiers did you end up with? Because I ended up with one two three four five one sorry one two three four five six seven eight nine. 10 tiers. I, I sorted these guys into 10 tiers. Yeah, and I have uh, I have 11, and one of those is just Justin Fields. So maybe that's, that's the one that's out of there. So so anyways, the, the so my bottom tier, and these are also my bottom two quarterbacks at this moment, 32 and 31. Uh, my bottom tier is what I call 2024 first-rounder placeholder QBs. Literally, these guys, I'm quite <laughs> yeah, sure... Yeah literally only have their current jobs as they are 
holding down the spot for teams that are probably hoping that that in 2024 the the person holding down that job is either Caleb Williams or or Drake May. So the the number 32 guy on my list and also the guy that's in my bottom tier uh is whoever wins out of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay. Uh, oh, that's that's 32 for me. I didn't like Kyle Trask coming out of college. He is slow. He is immobile. His arm is average at best. I thought he was carried by Kyle Pitts I, and some other players in Florida. I didn't think much of Kyle Trask. And Baker Mayfield, I have to, I, his collapse the last couple years is, is truly stunning. I never thought this man was elite by any stretch of the imagination i thought at worst he was like jay cutler though and he collapsed um far beyond a cutlerian level last year so i i don't know uh and and what we know about baker is that when he does succeed he has traditionally succeeded in a with with a strong offensive line, with a strong run game, and a strong play action heavy offense. None of which Tampa, I mean, they didn't do a lot with that with Brady. None of which Tampa seems constructed to do particularly well. So that that for me is the bottom. Right above that is is Sam Howell with Washington. I admit I am a little intrigued by Sam's upside. Um, Are you? A little bit, but not enough to move him above number thirty one. That's what I'll that's what I'll give you. <laughs> That's, All right. What so about you? My, Where are you at? My bottom tier is also two people. I just named this tier uh, F tier and then just put LMAO next to that. Um, 31, I agree with you, is Sam Howell. You and I both okay. agree he should be at number 31. He, uh, I have, I'm not really intrigued by anything that he brings. Like, I, I watched so much of him at North Carolina because we talked about him as a joke draft pick for a while like of course somebody will draft sam howell uh and they the freaking washington team sure did and they're sure gonna give him a whole year uh and you mentioned you mentioned specifically this should be the two teams that are trying to get caleb williams and drake may right but washington is in no position they have too good of a defense they are too invested in that team to totally collapse there's no way they're the worst team in the league um, so this is potentially a prime target if the Bears-Panthers pick accidentally falls into that spot. So remember this team. Uh, but my That's number 32, my number 32, this is for you, Bears fans. It's Jordan fucking Love. The, In my opinion, the Green Bay Packers have the worst quarterback in the league. You see, uh, he's going to be that bad. Yes, he has. He has proven that he is a bad quarterback. He is not in a good situation. He has a... An okay offensive line, I guess. He it's, a a of offen- it's a very good offense. It's a very good offensive line. He has a bunch of young line, wide son. receivers. I'll give who, you the wide receiver thing, but that is a very good offensive line. He has a bunch of young receivers who probably looked better because Aaron Rodgers were there. Uh, and Romeo, like, they're talking about Romeo Dubs at camp this year is how desperate they are. They're like, oh, Romeo Dubs uh, looks good. And what they're getting is that, uh, that we've seen this before, that... Uh, uh, the backup quarterback comes in, and he loves the backup wide receiver because he always throws to him. Uh, and it would be depressing if it weren't Green Bay. Uh, but I don't see anything for Jordan Love. Uh, I don't see him. I don't see him doing anything in the NFL. I think, uh, like we would have seen something 
by now and everything that's come out of camp over there makes it sound like you know mitch trubisky's first year in camp uh except this guy is basically you know a a, a several years nfl veteran at this point uh, i i think he's trash i've got him at number 32 so, now does schadenfreude also involve in my ranking him 32 absolutely but i get a little bit of that so I mean, I can't judge you too harshly. Jordan Love is literally all alone in his next tier above these guys on okay. my list. All right. Okay. Uh, and I named this tier, please God, suck as much as statistics say you should. Because one thing I want to note with Jordan Love, we talked about the spreadsheet when we uh-huh. talked about the draft. We talked about all this draft knowledge, this this accumulated statistics for quarterbacks who were quite bad. What on earth are you doing and why did you not mute for that? That was just for you. That was my just for God. You. Okay, that was, um, that was for you and everybody at home. So like a juice pouch or something? Are you? you that was exactly you, a juice. That was are you throwing back a Capri Suns? On that's the, exactly on the what I just I, did. I just chugged a Capri Sun. Good lord. Okay, uh, but no, the the spreadsheet did not like Jordan Love at all. He was it. He was the only. Just to use a different statistic that I usually don't use very much on the spreadsheet, but I still found somewhat telling. Uh, I think the only quarterback who, using ESPN's QBR metric, had a worse final year of college and went in the first round, other than Jordan Love, was, in the in recent memory anyways, was Blaine Gabbert. Um, Jordan Love was not very good that last year at Utah State. We, we can't deny that. Um, he had the kind of accuracy issues and all that that, you know, historically had not, we had not seen people fix up until Josh Allen. The only reason I am not sold that this man is doomed is probably just that there is that little bit of doubt sown in my mind by Josh Allen and the fact that, you know, Love has had what is a very rare opportunity to sit and sit and sit. But at the same time, like you said, there are those warning flags that, like, yes, he's had this chance to sit and he's learned this offense and he's known this offense, known nothing but this offense his entire pro career and yet reports out of practice are still... A little sketchy, still a little up and down. Um, and I know people were impressed with, with a few throws that he made last year uh, in what was basically garbage time against the Eagles. Um, and at, the touchdown pass always cracks me up because it's it's like a six-yard throw. And then, uh, uh, oh, God, what is the wide receiver's name? Um, the Packers wide receiver, he's fast. They drafted Christian him. Watson. Watson, yeah, Watson yeah, took it okay. the, the other 60 <laughs> yards. I mean, Watson is is fast, no doubt about that. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing about Love is that, like, individual throws will not tell you the story with this guy based on who he was in college. He has incredible arm talent. He always has. He, he can throw a pretty football. What, what always caught Jordan Love in college was diagnosing defenses, making the right read, making throws under pressure, making throws when he's moved off his platform, making throws when his first read's not there. And you're not going to be able to... You say he's proven he's bad. I, I in, With 83 career pass attempts, I can't get there yet. But I also don't think, you know, the sample size we saw against the Eagles last year was anything to make me think anything different. Like, yes, when his first read's there and it's a slant to Christian Watson, he's going to take it and he's going to go 60 yards with it. That's fine. But, like, I want to see what happens... When defenses are game planning specifically against him and game planning specifically against the things that he has shown. And I do think this is a guy who has shown 
Um, even in brief flashes, he's very uncomfortable in the pocket with just even a little bit of pressure. He has the benefit, like I said, of a very good offensive line, but still it comes up for everybody. You can't run from it forever. I'm, I'm interested to see how that happens. Um, but yeah, so that's enough time on Jordan Love now. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time on him going forward. Uh, but yes, he is alone in his own tier. He's number 30 on my list. Jordan Love. Is that wish casting on our part? I don't know, folks. We sure hope so. Um, Goddamn right. All right, who do you, okay. what's your next tier? All right, so my next tier has six guys in it. This is D tier, and my description was, you do not want these guys. They are exactly who they are, which is bad, and they are not going to improve, and I put in parentheses, except Baker Mayfield in, like, six years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, number 30 for me uh, is Desmond Ritter, the projected starter for the Atlanta Falcons. We talked about this, but we didn't do it on the podcast because during, uh, you know, two drafts ago, we weren't doing this. Um, But I was no fan of any of the quarterbacks of that draft. My favorite quarterback in that draft was Kenny Pickett, and I put him at, like, useful backup. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I, I do not think he has a future in the NFL. Nothing he has done yet has shaken my belief in that. Um... I, he'll have to. He will have to prove me wrong. I guess is what I'll say. Like nothing I saw him do last year made me think. Yeah, this is a guy I want starting for my team. Atlanta is another team where I feel like God. They, you'd think they really want to hit that number one or number two pick so they can just start over at quarterback. But again, gotta turn my phone down. Uh, but I think. Again, I think Arthur Smith just doesn't think quarterback is that important. Like I, I think this man really. And I mean, and he he is in a sense he's from the Shanahan tree. He's he's crossed paths with McVay. I think he, in his ideal world, is is kind of trying to do the same thing that Shanahan just did with Brock Purdy. He's like, I'm trying to get everything else in place so that all my quarterback has to do is make the right read. And I do think, I do think Desmond Ritter is a dude who who can be that kind of point guard quarterback. When we talked about him in the draft, I said if Desmond Ritter had a better arm, I would have liked him quite a bit, and I would have considered him a first-round pick. Um, he, The problem is he just he doesn't have a good arm, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He, he, To me, he is a guy who actually think I think will carve out a career as a high-tier backup, precisely because he will do the right thing more often than not. He will just, he does not have the talent to do the amazing thing very often at all. So, yeah, I, Ritter, that's, I had Ritter next, and I, so my tier was, um, my next tier was the game managers at best. Um, and now some of these guys, I mean, some of these guys I had ranked as high as like a, so, you know, in the, in the high 20s, some of them are more in the low 20s. But all of these guys, I think, have basically about the, the same ceiling because they have the same style of play in, in many ways. The six guys I had there were, or the five guys I had there were Daniel Jones. Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, and Desmond Ritter. These are the guys that I think are just kind of... Their floor isn't exceptionally low. I don't think these are guys who will just be abysmal quarterbacks, but I think their their ceiling is also not very high, um, and nothing's going to change that. Mac Jones, I think we saw Mac Jones with the Patriots last year. We really saw... His two years of the Patriots were so perfectly illustrative of who Mac Jones is because I don't feel like Mac Jones played any differently between his rookie year and year two. I don't think he got worse in any way. 
I think the situation got worse around him, and that you saw what happens there. He he will go as far as the team can take him. Um, and and I that's how I feel about Kenny Pickett. I, I am a person who um, I have been very critical of Kenny Pickett because I, I but it's not that I think Kenny Pickett is going to be a truly just like abysmal football player. This man's not going to go out there and put up Ryan Lee for Jamarcus Russell numbers. Mm-hmm. I just think that is uh, that is a weird guy to use a first round pick on because I think at best you are you're talking about a guy who at best is going to be like the 18th best quarterback in the NFL and at worst he's going to be like number 25 and in a division with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Desha- oh Deshaun Watson now I guess uh, eh. um, he kind of <laughs> gets a tear he kind of gets a tear all of his own too doesn't he um, for all the wrong reasons. But yeah, I just, I like that guy, I think he's going to have, you know, he's going to complete probably like 65% of his passes this year. He's going to average like 6.9 yards per attempt. He's going to throw like 20 touchdowns and, and probably single digit interceptions. And, and, and he's going to have all these nice little stats. I really that, think that. Well, I, I mean, he's going to, he's going to have all these box score stats that like, that you, you, you kind of like the Josh McCown season where it's like, oh, all these numbers look nice, and then you look over and it's like, how come they only scored seventeen points a game? And it's because you know, one thing I pointed out at Kenny Pickett is he had, um, out of like, of all the rookie quarterbacks I've looked at since two thousand twelve, he had, I think the the third or fourth worst completion percentage on throws beyond 10 air yards of any rookie quarterback in that time frame. He was he only completed 41% of his passes beyond 10 yards. Now, I think he is he really does have incredible accuracy in the quick game. He makes good quick decisions in quick game. I do think he is a good enough short passer and he has just enough mobility that that will keep him afloat as like a viable low end starter. But I really think that is the upside. And again, he's already 25 years old. This is a guy who had 5,000 reps in college. Like I just don't see the upside there. And that's the same thing with, and I think he's very similar in a lot of ways to a guy that just got $40 million to be that guy in Daniel Jones. I truly think we saw just about like the best that Daniel Jones can be. And what that was is like a, you know, like a watered-down version of Kansas City, Alex Smith. It's not that these guys are, like, bad quarterbacks. It's just that they are, at best, aggressively average. And so they are their own tier there. They are just unexciting. All of them are unexciting to me. You you could maybe make the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo. We all know you're not going to do anything with him once you get there. Um, so, yeah, that that's my tier there is the game manager tier. Yeah, the uh, the trick with Kenny Pickett here, um, and I agree with you, like with uh, with that game manager ranking there. Um, but the deal with Kenny is, uh, I think, just having observed him in college, what he did last year was a very neutered version of Kenny Pickett. That's not really how he plays football. Um, and you mentioned, like, you know, maybe his his possible peak is like 18th best quarterback in the NFL. To do that, you basically have to run what what we would refer to as the neutered Jay Cutler offense that Mike Martz did when Mike Martz's soul was dead and Jay Cutler's soul was dead and they just toned everything down and ran that like uh, just um, um, castrated offense uh, at the end of that season when you know they knew Martz was going to be fired and that was kind of it. That's kind of what you have to do with Kenny because if you let Kenny use Kenny's brain, he thinks he has the talent of Justin Fields. He thinks 
he has the talent of Jalen Hurts. He thinks he, he can does. do those things. I've he, seen yeah. him do this. And as he gets more confidence, he is going to try. And that's what I'm waiting for this season. I don't think he has single-digit interceptions. I think eventually he gets confident. And he's like, you know what? I'm Kenny Pickett. All right, I can make this play, and that's when the magic happens with Kenny. It doesn't happen with, like, Mac Jones. Mac Jones does not do that. Daniel Jones does not do that. But Kenny Pickett will. Yeah, so it's one of those things where, um, like, you know, obviously I like pro football focus, but I always say one of the things I don't – pro football focus is most famous for their grades, and I, I hardly even look at them. I find them to be not very predictive. It's not that they they don't, you know. I mean, if you if you want to have some fun, folks, go go look at any college player. Look at every grade they got for a game during the season, and then look at their final season grade, like for the whole year, and ask yourself how it makes any sense. Well, and it's just so I like Pro Football Focus because I like the statistics they do, the statistics they track, like adjusted completion percentage and yeah. average depth of. Tar- I like to draw my own conclusions from that data, and it's so funny. So. Entering 2018, Mitch Trubisky's second year, pro football focus was very high on Mitch. And the reason why, when asked, was they would defend how he played as his rookie year went along. And they would say, well, he graded really well as a deep passer. He graded really well on these things. And if you looked at it, his accuracy numbers were not good. They were the the same bad deep ball that we would come to know and associate Mitch with. It was just that he didn't commit a lot of turnovers. He didn't have a lot of near turnovers. He was playing very safe football because John Fox and them didn't trust him to do anything with it. And so his grade was fine mostly because it was, it was you know, they were grading him on the fact that, like, yeah, he didn't make a lot of mistakes. He also just didn't, he didn't hit a lot of big, uh, big plays. And it, it's kind of similar with Kenny Pickett. They're currently hyping Kenny Pickett as a breakout guy because, like, you know, over the last six weeks of the season, or seven weeks of the season, he had one of the highest grades in football, and it's like, okay, well, why did he have one of the highest passing grades in football? And you look, and it's it's it is entirely because he had the fewest turnover worthy plays in football in that span, and at the same time, he ranked, I believe, thirtieth in the NFL in yards per passing attempt. So, like, yeah, guys, it's it's pretty easy to avoid turnover worthy plays if you are never throwing the ball very far. Yeah, like they they the the Steelers neutered him. So and so after his first, you know, he's, let's see here. After his first, uh, over his first four starts, he had eight interceptions. Um, and so after that, they then they dropped what they were asking him to do. They dropped the number of pass attempts and everything. And so his completion percentage, which was much ballyhooed early on, you know, he was like sixty eight percent or whatever of those sorts of things. They then dropped it. He, he dropped to sixty percent over the rest of the season. He only had two interceptions, but he also only had five touchdowns. He was only averaging 6.2 yards per attempt. Like, the reason, like you said, the the neutered offense, the reason that he had this great turnover-worthy play percentage is because he wasn't taking any more risks anymore either. It was just pure game manager stuff. And, like, if that's the way you have to play with him in order to keep him from turning the ball over like a doofus, then there's just such limited utility to that. Anyways, I did not mean to turn this into a Kenny Pickett rant. No one who knows me is going to believe that I did not mean to turn this into a Kenny Pickett rant. That's that's not what you wanted to rant about Kenny Pickett. So we're going to move on. So I had had Kenny at 29. Was Kenny your next guy? Yeah, so so for me, I I had the Buccaneers situation at 32. I had Howell at 31. I've got Love at 30, Ritter at 29. 
I got Pickett at 28. Okay. Uh, my number 27 guy is actually in a different tier than the next tier of mine I was going to talk about because there are some guys I currently have above my number 27, but I don't know that I will even by the end of this year. Ooh. All right, well, okay, so we'll get... My 28 is Baker Mayfield. That's where I put him. I put him above Pickett, Ritter, Howell, and Love uh, because I just... I don't know. I just looked at it, and I thought I'd rather have Baker Mayfield, I think. I'm not even giving Kyle Trask the time of day. If the Buccaneers start Kyle Trask, that would be my number 32. Like, yeah, that's... Clear. that's Yeah, I, I have no hope for Kyle Trask at all. No. I, I, if they're starting him, then maybe Baker Mayfield actually is toast, and, you know, this is just it. And maybe the Bucks yeah. can grab that number one pick. Yeah, maybe. Well, we will see. Uh, no, my my next tier that I had, and these guys are what I would call um, good once, but fading fast. The highest guy I have on here, so he's actually number 17 currently in my just straight ranking, but he's in this tier, is Ryan Tannehill. Um, I was actually under the impression that Tannehill had a worse year than he actually had. Uh, because he was banged up a bit, that Titans faded down the stretch. Um, but when you consider that the man still averaged over like 7.8 yards per attempt, when you consider how bad that Titans wide receiver room was, how bad that offensive line was, um, I got to give Ryan some credit. So I still have him number 17 overall. He's just in this tier because I don't, I feel like that's not, that arrow is not going to go up this year either. So I think last year might have been as good the last good year he has. But out of respect for that, I do still have him as a middle-of-the-pack starter, but he is in this tier. The other two guys I have in this tier, um, Derek Carr. I know a lot of people see him as an upgrade for the Saints. I would hope that he would be an upgrade for Andy over Andy Dalton, but also Andy Dalton played surprisingly well with the Saints last year, um, although I think that was largely a product of Chris Olave. Um, and Derek Carr was pretty bad in Oakland. He really was. He was very mm-hmm. bad in Oakland with, with a supporting cast that he should not have been very bad with. So um, yeah. I, I am not sure that the arrow goes back up for Derek Carr from here. That was the more I dug into the metrics and the more I dug into the look, watched him. Uh, I, there were some red flags with Derek Carr last year, for sure. Now, a lot of that might just be the effect that Josh McDaniels has on people. We all get that for sure. But I don't know. I, D- Derek Carr is in this tier with me, and then the last guy in this tier uh, is Russell Wilson. Um, I don't think who. So just to so they're in this tier, but I currently have I have Tannehill at seventeen, I have Carr at twenty, and then I have Russ here uh, at number twenty one. Um, and now Russ, I am a little optimistic that in year one he'll see a bit of a bounce back with. Sean Payton, I think they are doing everything they can to do that. I So I, I think he'll be better um, in 2023 than he was in 2022, but I, I strongly believe that's probably going to be his dead cat bounce. I, I think it'll be yeah. uh, a reversal back toward good, but not as good as he was in Seattle, and I, I think that will be the last time that arrow goes up for him as well. I am I am utterly fascinated by the 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 mixture of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson because as we've seen, I mean Russ's big issue last year is he he can really only play football the one way. He plays football like Russell Wilson and it doesn't matter who his offensive coordinator is. He he just does the same thing like that's all he could do. Um 
and I I don't know how that's going to work with Sean Payton. I'll tell you, you you and I are pretty much in agreement on Tannehill and Carr. I've got Tannehill at 18. I've got Carr at 19 right next to each other. They're in my C tier, which I just said old guys who are ready to fall off a cliff permanently. <laughs> don't know if it's going to be this year. Don't know if it's going to be next year. But you're betting on guys, and I think it's a worse than 50-50 bet. I actually have Russell Wilson in my D tier. I have him at 26. Uh, just the way he looked, the way he moved, and the way it was that concerning. He, he's not adjusting. It was concerning. To, it did not to the it, way it, his athletic ability is aging. He is not adjusting. No, he's he's not. the The tape was. I mean, the tape was truly brutal for Russell and Denver this year. I mean, J T O'Sullivan, who does the QB school, uh, you know, I think that man, having been an NFL quarterback, um, he very much tries. Even sometimes when breaking down Zach Wilson, who he was critical of Zach Wilson before he was even drafted. He was one of the few draft analysts who did not get caught up in the Zach Wilson hype. Um, And he has been a critic of Zach Wilson in the NFL. But even then, even when he's breaking down Zach Wilson tape, he will try to say, but on the same note, wide receiver didn't do his job here. This play call is not very good. The offensive line, blah, blah, blah. He broke down Russell Wilson at one point and he was like, I really hate to do this. The only problem I am seeing on some of these plays is that the quarterback is not doing his job. Like, it was that ugly at times. You you couldn't really make good excuses for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Russ bounce back, bounces back a little bit this year just because I think he will go back a little bit into the mold that worked for him in Seattle as the, you know, run first, play action, heavy boot. But I think he's also diminished enough that, you know, while we'll see him, like I said, will bounce, uh, bounce back a little bit, but not to where he used to be, and then I think we'll see the slow decline back down even from that bounce back. So a dead cat bounce is what I'm predicting. Um, Do you... Okay, so so I had Mac Jones 27, Russell Wilson 26. Should we talk about Daniel Jones here a little bit? Because I think, I think between us, we are in such agreement on Daniel Jones, and we always have been. We have been since before he was drafted. We have been every single year since Yeah, I've got... Drafted, where, where, do you, where do you have dimes? people... Other people don't agree with what we think about Daniel Jones. What, where do you have dimes? I have him at 22. Where did you? I have him at 25. Yeah, okay, okay, so you're a little lower. Yeah, the thing with Daniel Jones is, um, so when I was doing my supporting cast research for Justin Fields, well, the one thing I did, like, it's true. Daniel Jones has had mostly a pretty bad supporting cast. It really is true. Even this year, as much as the scheme improved, as much as he had help from Saquon, the wide receiver talent was still not that great. Um, and the offensive line was still pretty bad. But we are on on eight years, eight years of this man starting full-time at Duke or with the Giants, and he has yet to break seven yards per attempt in a single season. It is, it it's, it, that's a, that's an incredible, and, and the thing is that, I have not seen a change in, in approach from him in a way that makes me think this breakout is coming. So people always want to point out to, to we talked about this last week, Josh Allen is the guy everyone's always wanting to point out to as he was bad and then he was good. So here's my guy who has been bad and he can take this leap. But the thing is, is that the argument for drafting Josh Allen was that this guy had all of the physical tools in the world and if he ever puts it together, he's going to be amazing. And the argument for Daniel Jones was this guy's so smart and he's he he played for Peyton Manning's coach in college and he's going to be NFL ready and, and and so no one has ever tried to say there is this 
incredible physical talent with Daniel Jones that just needs to be honed. He does not have an elite arm. He is a, a better runner than anyone gave him credit for, for sure. Um, but he's not like... he. I think we saw about the max of what we could ever expect from him as a runner this year, and it was what, like like 600 yards, 700 yards? 708 yards. Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty good, but it's also, he's not going to be, this is not, man's not Lamar Jackson either. So I think they found what works best for him. They they complete, he had never been a very good deeper inter- intermediate passer, and, and what Brian Dable kind of said is like, you know what, we're not going to waste time doing stuff that we know doesn't work. We're just going to spam quick game. We are going to use you as your own running back sometimes, and that's just what we're going to avoid turnovers, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, and like I said, it's very much akin to what Andy Reid did with Kansas City Alex Smith. Um, so I think even if you were to improve the weapons around him and you were to improve that, like, it, you know, how valuable do you think Kansas City Alex Smith was? Because that's the, and I think that's the best case scenario here. He just, he's still, he's, to his credit, he has been better than I expected especially with that supporting cast, but at the same time, I just, I don't think there's anything left to really tap there. Yeah, I mean, the thing I, I kind of want to bring up, because we've talked about it before, he's he's sort of incredibly consistent, Daniel Jones, in that he, he has, like, had the same exact season since his senior year of college. Even before then, if you go back to his, his freshman year, um, I guess he was a redshirt freshman, so I'm thinking four years or whatever. So redshirt freshman year, 6.6 yards per attempt. Uh, sophomore year, 5.9 yards per attempt. Only only difference is going to go down because the next year he goes back up to 6.8 yards per attempt. In the NFL, my man has had four seasons, 6.6 yards per attempt, 6.6 yards per attempt, 6.7 yards per attempt, 6.8 yards per attempt. And you would think last year was this big revelation. He made all this money this offseason. Everybody was hyping him. The, the Giants fans are like, oh, this guy could be him. He, he has never changed. If you want to go by, if you want to go by, what, yards per attempt plus, 87, 87, 91, 93 in the NFL. Never been even close to above average. Never even been close to average. Yeah. Net yards per attempt plus is even worse. Like, it, he is so consistent, and yet for some reason people think he's on this upward trajectory. Daniel Jones is who he is. Yeah. Brian Dabble got more out of him by forcing him to run, and that is it. Yeah, and, and I mean the one the one thing that he he did was he did cut down um, on the turnovers, and he and he and it wasn't just that the interceptions he did cut down legitimately on the turnover worthy plays. Like his his turnover worthy play percentage um, was at three point one percent, which is a little bit lower than his career. But yeah, it's just it's at the same time he had the lowest average depth of target of his career. His career number is seven point five, which mind you. Trust me, folks, that's not very high to begin with. And he dropped all the way to 6.4. I mean, that is, like, they they got this out of him by asking him to do as little as possible that is difficult. It was literally just, it, it was literally just, you know, the, the caretaker offense. I mean, he, I'm trying to think here. Look yeah, I mean, his, his yards per attempt don't move, but... Yeah. From his rookie year to now, his completion percentage has gone up steadily uh, yeah. to the point where it's at now. He's gone up 5.3%. He's at 67.2% now. He was at 61.9% yeah. as a rookie. 
But his yards per attempt aren't jumping because yeah. all he's doing is saying, well, I'm just going to throw it shorter. Yeah, so there are uh, 40 qualified quarterbacks on Pro Football Focus's passing database, if you go by it. And by, by qualified, I mean they these people had as many as 20%. Uh, they had 20% or more of the same number of dropbacks as, like, the person who had... So the, the most dropbacks by a quarterback in the NFL this year was 764. So this is everyone who had at least 20% of 764 dropbacks or more. So there's 40 quarterbacks in this sample size. Would you like to guess, Travis, where Daniel Jones ranked in terms of average depth of target out of those 40 guys? <laughs> 39? Oh, nope, nope, it's 40. It's just 40. Oh, man. man. Literally, like, 6.4... His average pass traveled 6.4 yards in the air. It's just... You just like, it, it was an efficient job of game managing, but if you're really convincing yourself there's more there, I just don't know why. Um, but yeah, so that wraps up the, the Daniel Jones, the, the game manager tier. The next tier that I have, I have four guys in here. One of these guys is a guy that you have, I, I know, has just in his own tier, which is probably fair, because he's the only one of these... Four guys that is not a rookie, but is instead entering his third year. But I have I have a tier that's just elite potential, and these are truly guys that I think, in the right circumstances, like they have all the tools in their own way to be elite quarterbacks, but we just have not seen what they can, either what they can do yet on the NFL level, and that's, of course, the three rookies, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young. Um, there are different percentages that I assign to the likelihood of any of them becoming a star, but I do think... There's a scenario in which all of them do. Like, for instance, Daniel Jones is a guy that I truly don't believe there's a scenario left where that man is ever a star quarterback. I just don't. He might hang around for another 10 years, but I don't think he'll ever be a star. All three of these rookies? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a chance any one of them could be a star. The percentage is different for each one, but until I see that they aren't, I give them a chance. So Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, just for the record, I have Bryce at 26 I have Stroud at 25. I have Richardson at 27. So I just lump the three of them together. Um, I expect all three of them to end the year higher than that. But that's just, you know, with no tape in the NFL to go off of, that's where they are right now. But yes, that it's not it's not the same as ranking, you know, it's not the same as ranking Kenny Pickett 28th. I'm ranking Kenny Pickett 28th because I feel strongly that's probably about what he is. These guys are just there until they prove they belong somewhere else. And then, of course, the last guy in this in this tier is Justin Fields, who I will, spoiler alert, I have Justin at 18 right now. I hope folks think that's fair. I hope you listened to last week's episode and you understand why we're saying that. It's not that I don't believe he will end the year higher than that. I feel very strongly he'll probably end this year in my top 10. But just based on what he's done so far, not on what I think he can do, but also allowing some exceptions for his supporting cast and everything. I think 18 right now is fair, and it's the same. Justin is a guy I truly believe couldn't just be a good quarterback. I truly believe he has everything possible to be a star, to be one of those game-changing. There were moments, you saw it last year, the the chance to be one of those game-changing, what the fuck can we even do against this guy, NFL quarterback. So those are my four guys in that tier, and they're spaced out. Like I said, Fields is at 18. The other three guys are all in the, the mid-20s. But yeah, that's 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 another tier there. Yep, well, I mean, we'll get to Justin Fields for me in a bit, uh, but I have the same thing going on after Dando Jones. Uh, so 24, 23, and 22 is the rookies, which yep. is basically just new draftees who I'd rather have than anybody who I rank below them. Um, and obviously, if you listen to any of our draft coverage, you know that 22 is Anthony Richardson, 23 is C.J. Stroud, and 24 is Bryce Young. 
Uh, I mean, I think it says up that we both we did both have Bryce as the the third of three there. Um, Man, oh, you know, we haven't been able to talk about it. God, the tone of people has shifted since he went number one overall, hasn't it? Like, it went from, well, obviously, this guy's probably too small, and, you know, you should probably take a risk on one of the other two guys. You know, C.J. Stroud's really been doing well. I swear to God, the second he got drafted, everybody's tune changed to, like, well, that was the clear number one pick all along. Obviously, they did great. There's no way he's too small. What a ridiculous notion. Like, what happened? The narratives. The power, once a guy's locked in, it is what it is. I mean, it's just like... it. Not to compare them as players, because I firmly believe Bryce Young, if he stays healthy, he's going to be at a minimum a very good NFL quarterback. Sure. But it was the same thing as when, like, the first time you heard someone say Zach Wilson might go number two, everyone was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's stupid as shit. (laughs) But then, once it became clear it was going to happen, the spin cycle got going, and by the time of draft night, it was, everyone was acting like... You know, it felt like you were being gaslit. It was like, okay, I guess we're all just going to pretend that uh, this entire time we all believe Zach Wilson was QB2. Is this just what we're going with? This is just what we're rolling with? I guess it is. Yeah. Um, we refused. We did not relent. We never bowed to to, to the peer pressure. Um, okay, but yeah, well, I'm interested. I'm interested in who you have next. This is we're breaking into my uh, my C tier. The old guy's ready to fall off a cliff permanently. So, we already know we already know Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr there. That's eighteen and nineteen. So my twenty so, and twenty one are Jimmy Garoppolo, and then probably my most divisive pick here, which is Kirk Cousins, sitting at twenty one. Um, I, Kirk fell off hard. I, people, he one of the things, one of the things that really that got kind of got hidden by that extremely lucky. Vikings season and Vikings fans I'm sorry but it literally statistically was the luckiest team in NFL history but like they hired Kevin O'Connell ostensibly to maximize what Kirk does best and and improve him but by every single metric that matters whether you're checking DVOA and advanced stuff or literally just basic points scored and yardage stuff the Vikings offense got worse from 2021 to 2022 and Kirk Cousins personally got worse his completion percentage went down despite his yards per attempt going down by almost half a yard his yards per completion were uh i believe almost a a career low um i guess the second lowest of his career uh if you don't count like his a game where a season where he started three games in washington his passer rating declined by over 10 points um his qbr went down he took more sacks i mean by every single metric Kirk Cousins regressed in 2022 and and I mean he is he's 35 he's entering his 35 age 35 season so mm-hmm. I don't know I don't I don't have him at 21 but I have him at 19 which I don't think is much better sure. um but yeah Kirk Kirk for me is in a is in the, there there's a four guys in this tier um and these are just literally like the system quarterbacks and they're a little different than game managers because all four of these guys are capable of putting up truly explosive numbers that I don't even think the game managers can manage as long as the system around them enables it. But I also think they will literally only go as far as the players and scheme around them. So the four guys I had in there were Kirk Cousins, uh, Jared Goff, Tua, and literally just 49ers QB. I didn't even bother picking which one of them it's going to be. I feel whoever... And I, I appreciate that we both did that. We were both just yeah. like Kyle Shane. Well, and I, put them, and I put them literally at number 16 because like dead right... Like it literally doesn't matter. You're going to get 
Yep. Somewhere around top 15 EPA so, production from whichever so question, guy it is. I, I wanted to ask you this because I knew that we had both actually just typed out the 49ers uh, for our quarterbacks and didn't give it a name. If you had to rank Brock Purdy away from Kyle Shanahan, how low does he go? I mean, I think it, I I think if you put Brock on the Bears last year, for example, he would have been the worst quarterback in the NFL. Probably 32, yeah. I mean, we talked about this. uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast yet. I just was just looking at these statistics. Brock Purdy averaged 7.8 yards per attempt on passes that did not cross the line of scrimmage. There were only three quarterbacks in the NFL, Tannehill, Brock, and Jimmy G., who averaged over six yards per attempt on throws behind the line of scrimmage. And Brock was at 7.8 yards per attempt. I mean, what do you even do when a guy can literally just not make a read and just chuck it to Christian McCaffrey and get a better yards per attempt figure than anyone but, like, Patrick Mahomes averaged on all throws? Like, that you're playing... You're so far beyond playing on easy mode, it's ridiculous. But yeah, whoever the... 49ers quarterback is he's he's number 16 he's a system quarterback Tua very similar not to the I had currently have Tua at number 15 I have Goff at 14 um again I think Goff goes as far as the Lions situation will let him um I do think he got a little lucky last year that's one of the reasons I am a, not quite buying into the Lions as much as some people are like for instance uh, I was talking about Dak Prescott's interceptions and how unlucky they were Jared Goff had the same number of turnover-worthy throws as Dak Prescott did. But whereas Dak had like 15, 16 interceptions, Cousins only had seven. He had so many dropped interceptions. So he he got a little lucky. Um, and we talked about Daniel Jones's average depth of target. You know, he was 40th. Jared Goff was 30th in, in average depth of target. Like he was being very heavily gamed by that system. So again, I don't think we saw a new Jared Goff. I think we saw the same Jared Goff that we've always seen. He rises and falls with the team around him. We know that. We know who he is at this point. Um, but yeah, so 15, yeah, 14 Goff, 15 to a 16 49ers QB, 17 was Tannehill, as I mentioned, 18 was Fields, 19 was Cousins. That's the, that's the, the first few guys in my, in my top 20, if you will. Um, and, and then after Goff, we get into the, the top 13, which is where we start to get into the, the, the category of guys that I think are proven good to great quarterbacks. There's just some with questions and some without at this point. So are you yeah. ready to move on into those into that range, your top 12, uh, 13 guys? Let's, I'll, try to, I'll try to catch up to you. So this is interesting, uh, I guess. So I have the 49ers and Tua in their own tier, which is just system skew the QBs, but look at the numbers. Uh, that's 17 for whoever starts for San Francisco, and then Tua is at 16. I feel like it's almost unfair to Tua, but you had a stat, um, which you did not bring up just now, which uh, it just kind of verified what I was seeing with my eyes about how many wide-open targets two ahead last year um, just with nobody around him where he was basically just lofting a ball and then Tyreek Hill was wide open or Jalen Waddle was wide open um, and he's just not doing any work out there like that offense is an absolute machine um, and I have right above him I have Justin Fields uh, at 15 um, 
And that's kind of because I could see that going either way. But when I think about quarterback play, I have to factor everything in. I want to think, like, how many points is your quarterback going to give your team? And I think Justin has proven that by hook or by crook, through the air or on the ground, the guy is going to get you points. The Bears did have a very scary offense in the middle of last season. There was an eight-game stretch where I think they were like the eighth-best offense in the NFL or whatever, and then it kind of fell apart on the fringes. We had a very bad beginning of the year, and then the end of the year was kind of tanking, kind of not tanking. But even with the chafe that he was dealing with, Justin proved that he can score some goddamn points in an offense. Um and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like you, there's a chance that next year I'm going to have Justin Fields in the top ten. There's a chance I like I could have him in the top five next year. It really depends on how well he does with all the weapons he has now. Um, but, yeah, I put him over Tua specifically because I, I couldn't stop thinking to myself, man, McDaniels would probably like to have Justin Fields instead of Tua Tagovailoa. I, like, I, I just can't imagine him saying no to that. Um, which I don't know if it's a condemnation of Tua or if it's just Justin is just that damn talented at this <laughs> point. Um, well, there's but, also, I mean, there is the health concern with Tua, too. Like I, That's right. They, well, they, and that's that's his fault, too. Uh, that's that's a whole other can of worms, which I'm sure we will get into eventually. We, we are I, blaming I this man for his concussions? I will, well, for leaving him in there for the second hit is what we're blaming him for. Uh, that was two concussions for sure. Oh, in- we're blaming Mike McDaniel here. Yes. We are okay, I thought you were blaming... leaving him in. I thought you were blaming Tua, and I was like, you're no. blaming this man for his concussions? No, I. the image of him on the field there uh, is probably never going to leave my brain as long as I live. We're, pro- we're going to talk about that later on because it, it still grinds me pretty bad. So here's the deal. I wanted to get past Justin because... I do not have Jared Goff next. My next tier is two guys. It is guys with the talent to win MVP, but they have so much baggage I can barely see over it. Care, and this is number 14, Deshaun Watson, and number 13, Kyler Murray. Uh, Guys who could be up in the sub-Mahomes tier, right up near the top, and guys who could honestly be out of the NFL in the next two years, and I... I don't know which way it's going to go. They have the talent. They've certainly shown that they could be incredible quarterbacks. But everything off the field and some of it on the field. Deshaun Watson was very suspect last year when he played. We kind of ignored it because, you know, whatever. He's coming in late in the season. He had a lot to deal with. Uh, but but he looked awful. He really did. And honestly, did honestly, I don't even want to spend that much time talking about him because, like, Anytime you have to talk about this man, it's a joke. He, he's an unrepentant, sexual deviant. Agreed. Um, I, I hope the guy that he was last year is who he is because I would love for him to wash out and the Browns to be strapped with that contract forever. But obviously, yes, if he returns to the guy he was in Houston, that's a top 10 quarterback by any metric. It just feels gross, disgusting. Um, and yeah, Kyler, I so I have Watson 12. I have Kyler at 11, very same thing. I, with me, I'm a little higher on Kyler, especially without Cliff Kingsbury around. But I, you know, he's probably not going to play much this year. So it's really, like, I don't know how you effectively rank that guy anyways for a season he might miss half of. So, 
Yeah, I think we just didn't want to talk about Colt McCoy, who is probably going to start most of the season for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if Colt is playing, he's 33. Um, I can't even... Can you you believe that Colt McCoy is still in the NFL, and he is going to start, like, an entire season for an NFL team? Really incredible. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, But yeah, so no, I'm going to just list off. So I had one tier... I didn't put those guys in a separate tier, but I have one tier here that is just... Franchise QB production, either in the past or even the most recent year, but there are some question marks. And the guys I have here uh, in that tier, so there's one, two, three, there's six guys. So Murray and Watson we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matthew Stafford, last time we saw him in 2021, was very good. Last year, uh, I actually thought he still looked pretty good. Um, The Rams' offensive line was very bad. The wide receiver stuff took a hit. Um, But I, I... I, if Matthew Stafford had a top 10 passing season this year, I can't say I'd be surprised. I, when we last saw him at the height of his powers, he was very good. So, you know, Matthew, I can't knock him down past that yet either. Um, so Matthew Stafford is, is up there. Uh, Dak, obviously there, I have some questions uh, less about him and more about that offense going from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy as play caller. Um, I have some concerns about the fact that they still don't really have that secondary pass catcher because we saw, uh, you know, he really missed Amari Cooper this year. Um, And the thing about Dak is his production, uh, like you were talking about Mac Jones, it's going to depend on who's around him. Dak is like the most premium version of that. Right. If you take away that second wide receiver, his production usually falls. I think pretty whatever hard. whatever the line is between the guy that you can truly win because of and the guy that like literally carries your team, like he's not a guy that I think you just win with. I do think he's a guy that sometimes you win because of, but. He is like the exact line in that group between that guy that you win because of sometimes and that guy you literally carries your roster. He is the line. He is that dude. Um, Like, I think he's a top 10 quarterback by any metric. It's just, you know, he is that guy in the top 10 that, like, maybe makes you really appreciate the other nine. I don't know. He's whatever that line is. He's right on it. Um, (laughs) He is the gatekeeper of the top tier quarterbacks. I have, in G- I have in this group, I have Geno Smith because, I mean, Geno was fantastic by every single metric, and I have dived into every single metric to see, like, was any of that a fluke? Was any of that fake? And he, it doesn't matter whether you slice it by short, deep, intermediate, play action, no play action. There is no world in which Geno Smith was not a bona fide, 100% legitimate, top 10 NFL quarterback last year. And they he still has DK Metcalf, he still has Tyler Lockett, and they have added Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I don't see any reason to be less. I don't yeah, see any I reason mean, to be less optimistic on him this year than last year. It's just you know the question mark there is obviously we have seen him do this for one year, and maybe if he hadn't been you know basically blackballed because of oh perish the thought not being able to carry the New York fucking Jets across the finish line early in his career, maybe we would have seen this earlier. I don't know, but I I am inclined to believe we're going to see another good one. Yeah, I the talk during the draft about how, hey, maybe Seattle wants to take a swing on Anthony Richardson and replace Geno Smith. He's definitely not a long-term option. I What are these people smoking, man? Like, he had a fantastic year last year. He looked great. 
uh, every game. Like, I some people were like, "Oh, he kind of fell off towards the end of the year." He had like, he had like three okay well, he, games. I mean, yeah, he so he fell off in that he played like a top five quarterback. He was like an MVP candidate. Yeah, he played like a top five quarterback for half a season, and he played like a top fifteen guy. For the yeah. second half, do you know what we call that? Average those two together. That's what you call a top ten quarterback. So a, he was yeah, very good. He was very so, good. Yeah, my my next tier was Stafford, Goff, and Geno Smith, and that's that's my B tier. Yeah, vets who aren't going to get better, but guys who you're very happy to have yeah. as your quarterback, right? Yeah, now. and I have in that same tier, I have Aaron Rodgers, just because. Um, you, you still have him Aaron Rodgers in a tier with. With so, Gino, Goff, and Stafford. So to be clear, so I said, um, so starting at 15 and going up, because um, like I said, 16 was the 49ers QB. 15 is Tua, 14 is Goff, 13 is Stafford, 12 is Watson, 11 is Kyler, 10 is Gino, 9 for me is Dak, 8 for me is Rodgers. Because I do have, I mean, I, I do have some questions. I, I think a lot of what happened in Green Bay last year was the young wide receivers, and it was the, you know, all of that, but I also, he did look a little checked out. He yeah. did look a little checked out. Now, I don't know if spite. Now, we've seen this back before. In. Yes. We've seen this season before from Aaron. We thought he was dead once, Kyle, and he yeah. fucking wasn't. Well, and I think he's going to the Jets, and, and while I think he personally has made their wide receiver core worse he by insisting is. that Alan Lazard and all that replace uh, and Elijah Moore and some guys that I thought were very good. They nonetheless he didn't get rid of Garrett Wilson, and I think Garrett Wilson is is a star, and I do think um, Aaron should be very good. So yeah, I mean I can't rank him any lower than eight, but at, I, I looking at the the guys I had above him, I couldn't make an argument for ranking him any higher than eight right now either. So, so Rogers, we don't have him. We don't have him separated by number very much, but we do have him separated by tier because this Dak is my nine, and he starts my A tier, which is basically. Kind of like how you exactly described Dak, right? Guys you can win a title with, to be sure, but you've got, there's some drawbacks that you're concerned about. With Rodgers, it's definitely like, where's the edge of that cliff? And when is he going to go over it? Um, with Dak, kind of like you said, he's like, he's the line. He, like, sometimes he wins you games, for sure. But you're always good. He's just like Tony Robo. It's the same way, right? Where you're just like, yeah, but I'd love to have one of the guys that's better than him. Like all, all he yeah. does is reminds you that there are like it, eight or nine. The better Cowboys replacing Tony Romo with Dak was so funny because it's just like the same guy where it's like, look, there is no way logically that any of this is your fault, and yet at the same time, you always seem to do the one thing that makes it really hard for me to say. Okay, but it's not entirely not your fault. Like, like yeah, you, but it's you also <laughs> yeah, like they, yeah, whatever that line is, Dak defines it now. But a generation ago, a, a quarterback generation ago, Tony defined it. So That's yeah, right. and in the eighties, from what I gather, you know, like Randy White defined it. So it just seems to be the the cowboy curse for anyone who's not Staubach or Aikman. Um, so, so I have Rogers at seven. My number eight, and I know we're going to disagree a little bit on this. Um, uh, I have Trevor Lawrence at eight. I don't. Okay. I, I have him in eight here. I think he's fantastic, but he still has some issues with his game. 
that concerned okay. me. But but I'm still thinking like like this is the guy who could be the reason that you know you win a Super Bowl. And man, with Calvin Ridley, he's ta- he's got a year off. Uh, hopefully, he's not yeah. gambling like the rest of the league apparently is. Yeah, anymore. I mean that's not. That's not to me. That's not worth. I have I have Lawrence at six versus okay. eight. I, I I think, you know, I I very strongly feel that my next tier. There's one, two, there's there are five guys in my next tier, um, and I feel like you're raring up for a fight for one of these because I know you are higher on Jalen Hurts than I am. But the yeah. I cannot stress that to me the difference between the guy I have highest in this tier of five guys and Joe Burrow. And the guy I have lowest in this tier of five guys, which is Jalen Hurts, the gap between those two is is to me smaller than the gap between Joe Burrow and the guy that I have in the next tier above Joe Burrow. You could tell me you could you could give me you could tell me any one of these guys, Joe Burrow, just so my tier you is have Joe Joe Burrow as number two. No, 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 no. I have Joe Burrow as number three. I was okay. saying. Okay. So these these guys are my three through eight, or my three three four five six Give and it to seven. Me. So I have Joe Burrow at three. I have Justin Herbert at four. I have Lamar at five. I have Trevor Lawrence at six. I have Hertz at seven. So, okay. but what I'm saying is that to me the gap between Burrow at three and Hertz at seven is actually smaller in my opinion than the gap between Burrow at three and Josh Allen at two. Spoiler alert there. Interesting. Like, you could you could rearrange Burrow, Herbert, Jackson, Trevor, Jalen, any way you want between three to seven, and I'm not really gonna argue with you. You are mm-hmm. higher you are higher on Jalen a little bit than I am. Although I, I don't know, I go back and forth with Jalen in a lot of ways because my argument my argument against Jalen, and it's not a strong argument against Jalen. This is a guy that I think is a top seven NFL quarterback. I think right. that's my argument against Jalen is that like the Eagles have structured their offense in a way that hides anything he's not very good at. He is still they still don't they still run like basically the fewest amount of what you would call true dropbacks of any team in the NFL. There's so many moving pockets. There's so much play action. There's so many screens. There's so many QB runs. They do everything they can to keep him out of it's third and nine, you need to throw the ball situations. But at the same time, his skill set is what lets them do that. It's not like they are hiding him. They are just, they are using his legs. They are using all of the things that he's good at to keep him out of the things he's less good at. And again, they wrote it to what, five minutes away from a Super Bowl win? Like, there is, you know, right. the 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 hot take, the hot take columnist in me says, there's going to come a day, son, where you got to drop back and pass to win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, it's 2023. Maybe that day's not actually going to fucking come. Like, there's nothing to say. You can't ride this Jalen Hurts offense exactly as it's structured all the way to the top, they almost did it, and I don't see them getting any. I mean, the NFC, if anything, is worse than it was yeah. in January. I think their path to the Super Bowl is easier right now. So, um, so yeah, I go back and it's a chicken and egg. Who the fuck is betting against the Eagles in the right. NFC this year? Right, absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you're raring for a fight, I will, I will try because I, I know that the big one is I think Justin Herbert, especially in a neutral situation, is still a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But it, it's it's splitting hairs. 
to a degree that I'm almost not willing to be that pedantic about it, even though I love being pedantic. So that's, that's an interesting way to rank him, I think, because uh, especially because you included Burrow, because Burrow does have a drawback, right? And I, I agree with, I think Burrow's the third best quarterback in the NFL behind Josh Allen and then behind God at number one. Um, right. But, uh, you know, Burrow does have his weaknesses. He's, and he's not the type of quarterback that I would usually go for in that he is not this big, deep throw, you know, right on target, rifle it down the field kind of guy. He's just this legendarily good, short to medium range passer. He's just always on target. The ball is always where it needs to be. Um, it's just, but, but he has that weakness, right? And Hertz is kind of the opposite sort of guy. Like, he's going to give you that big play, but he is always going to have this block about the small play. Um, and that that the Eagles are able to scheme around that um, is great, but he is always going to have that drawback. But yeah, you're, so my tier, the A tier for me is Dak at nine, Trev at eight, Rodgers at seven, Lamar Jackson at six, and then Justin Herbert right at the top at five. I know that you and me, uh, I think Herbert's our big disagreement because I, I'm always trying to get your goat about Herbert because you love him. I watched because you basically implored me to a lot of last year's San Diego Chargers games over the last couple months. Um, and oh my God, what they did to Justin Herbert was incorrigible. Like yeah, I, that offense last year for the Chargers, we spent a lot of time during this draft season talking about how maybe the F University of Florida Gators coaching staff is committing a war crime, like, or maybe they just have never seen a football before. The Chargers offense, it felt like was torturing Justin Herbert specifically. They, um, making my Michael... difference. Here's my difference, and this is it. It's very simple. The difference between this tier and the next tier, which has Hertz, Burrow, and Allen in it for me, is have you had, have you actually produced that season? Do you have one season you can hang your head on at least that says, I could have won MVP this season. I could have won the Super Bowl by my goddamn self this season if Patrick Mahomes just died. Uh, <laughs> and that's what those three guys have. And that Herbert hasn't had Herbert this year. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be open about this. Herbert this year could have like nine yards per attempt with Kellen Moore. And he could make me look really fucking stupid about this. I think he is in a great situation right now. Um, but he hasn't done it yet. And that's... That's why he's just that one step below Jalen Hurts for me because I, I just need to see it. I need to see it all together in a season, and I'll be a full Justin Herbert believer. Yeah, I, that's 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 fair. I think that's yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I think Herbert has just carried the Chargers, who are their own cosmic curse. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I I. I don't feel like this is a fight. And again, the the, the thing about QB it's rankings a is small. It's a small disagreement, and between us, it yeah. gets heated. Yeah, these small disagreements. Yeah. Well, it's the thing about QB rankings is that you part of the the goal is to try to ask yourself what these guys would do in a neutral situation. And I guess my gut feeling is that in a truly, if you put, I mean, I guess the ultimate litmus test is: Do I think Jalen Hurts or or Justin Herbert would have better survived the twenty twenty two Bears? I, I do think it would be Herbert, but I also don't think I, I I don't know the how much bigger the difference would be. I think Jalen Hurts on the twenty twenty two Bears probably looks, you know, not very different from what Justin Fields just did, and looks a whole lot like Justin Fields. Yes, absolutely. and Justin Herbert probably 
I think takes less than half as many sacks, but he also averages like, and he has a 75% completion percentage. He also averages like 5.5 yards per attempt. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and then. And I'm just going to freely admit, like, part of this is, like, you know, we, it, it, we've we only been doing this podcast for, you know, like, just about 20 episodes at this point, but we've been talking about the draft for years and years. Jalen Hurts was my guy in that draft. Well, I, was, were, I was absolutely You were all about Jalen Hurts, Hurts, that guy? Yeah. yeah. That was the guy to draft it. I couldn't believe people were overlooking him, and I completely missed on Justin Herbert. I didn't think he was going to succeed. I didn't well, see it on his tape in college, and I ended up being wrong. So there, there's his, a little confirmation bias and Because his Oregon staff misused him just as much as Joe they Lombardi did. did. Like, this man has they not... Did. Kellen Moore, I don't know. I mean, Kellen Moore is... I don't know that he's like a, a world-class offensive mind. I think he's like a top 15-ish offensive coordinator. That'll probably be the best offensive coordinator that, that Justin Herbert's ever had. <laughs> like, yep. He has really had to deal with the struggles of his own in just terms of uh, not a very good brain trust around him. And then anyways, I think we'll wrap this up very shortly. I don't think this is any surprise. I have two tiers left, and there are two solo tiers. One tier is the Josh Allen tier, uh, in which Josh Allen occupies... Uh, and then one tier is the Patrick Mahomes tier, which is Patrick Mahomes. And again, just as I said, the difference between I thought Joe Burrow at three and Jalen Hurts at seven was smaller than the difference between Joe Burrow at three and Josh Allen at two. I want to stress that I think the difference between Josh Allen at two and Patrick Mahomes at one is bigger than the difference between Josh Allen at two and Joe Burrow, for sure. There, There is only one Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the man has almost become the most underrated player in the NFL, because every year people talk about, like, there was talk like, should Jalen Hurts win the MVP this year? And it's like, no! No, because Patrick Mahomes exists. Is, is Patrick Mahomes alive and playing football at this moment? Okay, there's your most valuable player in the National Football League. This is the same, It's the same shit we would do with Aaron Donald not winning Defensive Player of the Year every year of his career. Like, you're only not voting for this guy because you're bored. There is Patrick Mahomes and there is everybody else. Sorry to be unoriginal, but you cannot overthink things like this. That's just how it goes. Yeah, and I mean, so we've hit the point where he's definitely not going to win it this year. Like, Kyle, how many MVPs does LeBron James have? Uh, four? Four. Do you know how many MVPs LeBron James should have? How long ago was 20? 18? About 15 at least. Yeah, 15 at 15 least. 15 yeah. at least. Yeah, so some of those. the point with Pat. Some of those stuff was going to win it this year. Yeah. Because people are just fucking going to yeah. be tired of it. Like Steve Nash won two MVPs because people were like, I, mean, I, can't, I can't keep doing this. When you think about Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's mere presence was enough to transform the Dolphins' passing attack into a top I, five unit for most of the year. Yeah. That is how good Tyreek Hill is, and Patrick Mahomes acted like he didn't even know he was gone. That offense saw no drop-off whatsoever. They changed their approach a bit. They were a little more short pass versus deep pass, but Patrick Mahomes was so efficient and so good, there was absolutely no drop-off. There is no question who the best quarterback in the NFL is. It's Patrick Mahomes. Sorry if you guys hung around for an hour and ten minutes to get us to the obvious answer, and we're hoping for something else. But no, it's Patrick Mahomes. Number two is Josh Allen. I so, uh, so you kind of structured it out like there's a big gap there. Is there? Who are the guys on this list who you think have the talent and ability to challenge Pat anytime within the next like five years for that top? Spot? Within the next five years, I mean, 
there could still I mean I still don't think that Josh Allen has had that one year yet where he's truly been peak Josh Allen every every game I think that year could totally happen um yeah if Josh Allen ever puts a full peak Josh Allen yeah. season together and doesn't do the Josh Allen brain fart. And yeah. Like, especially always, as much as he did He always seems year. to have, like, one off month. And not even, like, a bad month. He has one month where he, he just has some brain farts. If he ever avoids that month, Josh Allen could do it. Um, I think Justin Herbert is a dude that, if everything aligns, really could be that dude. Um, that. And, of course, I mean, if we're being... I mean, I think... I think the sky's the limit for Trevor Lawrence. I really do. Uh, I think I'm very interested to see what Lamar Jackson does in an offense where they uh, believe in having wide receivers. That could be neat to see. Um, And then, of course, the the wildly Homer optimistic take is I do think that Justin Fields has rare unparalleled talent. And obviously, peak Justin Fields looks like something we've probably never seen before in the NFL either. Yep. Yeah. So, so I don't think Trevor has that kind of, that kind of upside. I think right, like kind of where you ranked him right now, I think you had him at six. I think that's probably like best case scenario for Trevor Lawrence. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it during draft season. I think you just have to bet as high as possible. And I think the guys with that ceiling right now are definitely Josh Allen, Justin Fields, and the, my my absolute wild card would be Anthony Richardson, right? Just he has the ability. Yeah, to do I it. mean, that's, is it gonna happen? It's the same kind of Josh Allen Hail Mary, right? Coming out of college, it, that is, yeah, the Hail Mary. It would that is exactly what it would be. So he could also be out of the league in three years. Yeah, I, I mean, there, yeah, the it really seems like there's not a lot of outcomes for him in the middle of those two either. So no, we'll I can't imagine him being like an okay quarterback yeah. for ten years. That's insane. Yeah. But yeah, no, all right. We we actually did manage to get all this in in one episode, so that's awesome. I'm not sure what's on the docket for next week. We'll we'll discuss that. But thanks yeah, for tuning be... in for two strong weeks of quarterbacking. That's right. We got a whole episode on Justin Fields. We got all of our rankings out of the way. I yeah, we've got to discuss what uh, what we're going to fill July up with. All right. Well, good night, folks, and uh, go Bears. Now you know I'm leaving here